This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Bill Cruz, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Now, uh, it's the Reverend Bill Cruz, AM. He's been named one of Australia's 100 most influential people, yet he's often considered a thorn in the side of his own church. He's a fierce campaigner against poker machine gambling, yet it was the proceeds of a horse race that first established its soup kitchen that now feeds thousands across the city. His Sunday night radio show is the most widely listened to across the nation, but he often makes the news himself. Bill is a 75-year-old minister and regularly inspires news articles, headlines that read, What If We Were All Like Bill Cruz? With the release of his book, 12 Rules for Living a Better Life, we can only all be a little bit like Reverend Bill Cruz. It's a much-needed and timely manifesto on being a better human and how to pay it forward. Now, Bill, I've got to declare that um, I grew up Catholic. My parents are Maronites, Lebanese, Australian, but I'm an atheist. However, I feel that I have strived to live my life around these 12 rules. Yeah. I don't know if I, I think, always succeed. I think there's nothing in rocket science in what I've written, nothing no. at all. And it's it's there all the way through history, all the way. You know, you just got to look at the prophets and the, even Jesus said that. You know, if you haven't listened to the prophets, you're not going to listen to me. <laughs> but it's also really simple stuff, right? You know, it's, uh, yes. yeah, don't you think? It's not rocket science, but you only find it. Common sense says don't hit your thumb with, with a hammer. But it's only when you've hit your thumb with a hammer three or four times you realise that's really good advice, you know. Absolutely. And life's a lot like that. Yeah, yeah. The thing, I mean, I always say to people that, you know, if I make a mistake, and I, and I make many, and I always clock it and think, okay, remember not to do that again. And yeah. I'm always... And of course you do it again. <laughs> you do. But you try not to do it as badly as you did it the first time. Like yes. I feel as though with every negative experience I have, there's learning involved. Yes. But the reality is... You can also do it. You don't have to do it from a situation of pain. You can do it from a situation of kind of joy where you want to improve your life anyway. You know what I mean? These these sorts of things, so many people wait until catastrophes happen before they want to do anything about it. And what I'm gradually learning is um, you don't have to wait for the catastrophes. You can do it when you feel okay. So let's talk about the 12 rules. Do you want to start talking to me about that? Well, I was sitting in the um, in a coffee shop one day and 
they just came to me. I can't, I can't reel them off right now. I've got them in front. I've got of them me. in front. I've got them in front of me. Yeah, I'll go through them one by one. But yeah. they, they just seemed, they just came to me, and I thought, wait, wait. The thing I learned was that your story, your life story, is just another story. Mm. It's just another story. All these things you hold up, and all these things you you carry inside, and all these guilts you have. They've all been seen, done, and felt and experienced before. Mm. Your story is just one story in a whole panoply of stories. And once you begin to realise that, the guilt that holds you or the shame that holds you loses its power over you. Do you know what I think too? And, you know, I mean, this is my way of coping, is I feel as though we need to keep it simple. Like, you know, when yeah. people talk about happiness, it seems like a huge thing, right? But happiness for me is patting my dog or having a cup yeah. of coffee in the morning, which I really enjoy. It really doesn't go beyond that. Sure, it it's, might. It's losing yourself. It's yeah. actually losing yourself. It's when you suddenly become connected to something and connected to all that is. Mm, you're right. Okay, so the first rule, let me just go through these because I've, I've got a comment for everyone, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, cultivate lovingness and compassion, and I just love that. Yes, That's- and that can be hard. That can be hard, particularly when somebody's done the dirty on you. <laughs> that can be really hard, but it makes you a better person. And I've learned that over and over again, particularly with Holocaust victims and people like that, that, you you know, things can happen and they can either break you or break you open. And if they break you open, they they open up a whole, it's an invitation to participate in life itself and rather than limp away and hate the world, you know. And you've, I, I found that, that I, I said to one of the homeless people a while ago, um, you know, I really love you, <laughs> and our whole relationship changed. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most fundamental aspects of life. When you cultivate loving relationships, the only thing that can happen from it or one of the big things that can happen is you and them can grow as individuals. You give people the freedom to grow. And I do think sometimes people look for love in the wrong places and often it's right there in front of you. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. You're you're looking for what you missed out on. You're you're looking to fulfil something. And what I say is when you give yourself away, it all comes back to you anyway. Like a fellow rang me on the radio the other day because he's got some wild bush turkeys or something in his backyard and all the eggs had hatched and now the parents are, are tossing the, the young chicks out of the nest. Boom, 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 boom. They're all being tossed into the backyard and they're all squawking because they want to stay in the nest, you know. But the loving thing is to toss them out and get them in life, you know, and it's exactly like, like that. We, we tend to hold on to our grab something and hold it. And when we do that, we squash it. Well, do you know what I think happens too? Sometimes, you know, as I said, we look for love in the wrong places, but we do. We look for love in in a way that it's happening to us rather than us making it happen for us. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. And that comes through uh, examining yourself mm. and realising that anger and hate and all that gets you nowhere. Yeah, no, it gets you absolutely nowhere. All right, I'm going to go to number two, right? Number two is trust in a higher power or just trust. Okay. Just trust. So how do you talk to an atheist about that? Well, I don't trust in a higher power, but I do trust. Yes, yes. And that, it it just is. Yeah. It just is. So many people live limited lives. They they won't walk out into the universe, <laughs> no. Mm. And so they they wait for things to happen to them. What I've found is you have to walk into the universe and things come back and hit you. You end up in all these with all these experiences you'd have never had before. Mm. And walking into the universe takes trust whatever that means, mm. just walking into, just walking, walking, walking into the future. Reverend, I, sometimes I can be grumpy or I've had a really hard day or, you know, things aren't going in my way and I'm feeling, you know, whatever I'm feeling, lonely, isolated, you know, whatever. And I live next door to a park. I live next, um, and yeah. what I do is I take the dog out, you know, twice a day for a walk and I take him out. And do you know, Almost 99% of the time you come back in a good mood because you make eye contact with people. You see green. You sit out in the sun for a little moment and you realise what a gorgeous day it is and you smile at so-and-so and and you have a chat with so-and-so. and and You're connecting with all it is. Mm. You know, we are not isolated individuals. (laughs) We are not. We need this sense of we are internal and external Mm. and our, our mind, our mind is not within us. It's within us and without us, outside of us. And once we connect with that, we begin to connect with all universe, the universe, and you find in that is happiness. Mm, I totally agree. Okay, let's go to the next one. I think we're on the same page here, you and I. Yeah. A tree will grow in fertile soil. Sandy soil will stunt it. It is true for human beings too. We need to find the right company. We yes. do need to surround ourselves with people that are good for us, don't we? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, and that is such a hard lesson to learn mm. um, because, and it means life's a journey where if you're walking down the road, people come and join and walk with you for a while. And then you might keep moving and you'll walk with someone else. And it means making and not making and breaking relationships, but valuing the relationship you've got as you're walking along the road, but giving that relationship the freedom to expand or move on or not finish, but you know what I mean, conclude for that time. And that's and I, really hard for people too. It is. And I think sometimes you've got to be really brave and peel off those people that really aren't good for you. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of makes sense because over and over again i found homeless people or runaway kids or things like that, um, they've had to go right away, right away from the environment they're in to begin to build a new life. And then they may come back to that environment, but they're different and they can change the the environment. The big thing we as human beings tend to do is subsume ourselves to the environment we're in. 
and we can actually change the environment we're in, you know. We don't have to deny our own individuality to maintain a friendship or a relationship. The relationship itself can grow on our terms as well as somebody else's. Mm. Do you know, sometimes, and and I know I do this, you know, when you first meet someone and whether it's a lover or a friend or, you know, just a colleague at work, you do put on a front, don't you? Yeah. You yeah, do you want to the fit first in. couple of times. Yeah, you want to you fit want in to or you want to impress or you want them to think you're smart or you want them to think you're pretty yeah. or whatever it is that you want, right? Yeah. As that relationship develops, and I think if that relationship is good for you, then you don't need any of that, do you? No, no. One of the things I really noticed about this holiness of Dalai Lama was he was essentially himself in where whatever environment he was in. and the environment kind of morphed to fit in with him. Mm. And I thought that's that's a pretty good way to be, you know. Mm. You you don't have to squash yourself down to be in it. Most of us do. Mm. You know, most of us think, oh, we've got to behave this way around our betters or something mm. like no, that. No, no, I agree with you. I find myself doing it sometimes and I think. Yeah, oh, we do. Give it up, we, give it we're up. Good suck ups. We're good okay. suck-ups. We're good suck-ups. All right, the next one is find a help group to share your growth with. What do you yes. mean by that? It doesn't have to be a structured group, no, right? we're not islands. We are not islands. We we find who we are in the reflection we see in the eyes of the other. We forget that. And we are naturally communal. We're not isolated individuals. We're not. We're naturally communal. And the healthier that community that we're in is, the healthier we will be. The more twisted it is, the more twisted we get. The more corrupt it is, the more corrupt we get. We need to find a healthy group to share, someone who can say, look, you're bullshitting me. (laughs) When you get that, you can actually grow. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. My sisters are that to me. They're real levelers, you know. Yes. They cut out all the bullshit, you know. If if they ever think I've gone beyond, my, you know, in terms of behaviour, oh, wow, they're so good at bringing me right back. And I appreciate it. That's right. That's right. And I trust them. Yes. That's a really important part in it too. 
Mm. All right, the next one. Let's say, what's the next one? Oh, I really like this one, mentor others. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I've only done that recently and somebody reached out to me and I was really surprised. I didn't know them. I didn't know the person. And she's like, you know, can I come over and have a coffee with you? And I'm thinking, what on earth can I help? Like I I was so shocked that somebody chose me to come and get some advice, right? And it was a young person. She was only 25, 26. What wisdom can I impart here? And do you know, she well, one, she was gorgeous, you know, just a beautiful person. And it just, the experience was so rewarding for me. Yeah, well, you suddenly find you've actually got something worthwhile. You've actually learned something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And the only way you, you realise that is to practise it. Mm-hmm. And, and it comes out in strange ways, comes out in talking with people and you think, hey, I've got some wisdom in here. But also then, she taught me a lot. Yes. We, we had um, a group of girls from... This is years ago from PLC, which is a toffee girls' school. Hmm. And we had a whole lot of homeless kids, you know. And some of the girls, the school, some of the girls at PLC wanted to mentor some of the homeless kids. And the school was really anxious about it. And then what they found was the girls in the school who wanted to mentor the problem kids were the ones the school was worried about anyway. And what they found was in mentoring these kids, the girls settled much more into themselves and the school wasn't so worried about them anymore. It was a really sobering experience. Do you know, I think what it shows too, I mean, it it takes me and probably those girls at PLC out of your privileged life. Yeah for that moment and and being in somebody else's shoes. I guess you're dealing that with that most days. But and I I I hear a lot of stories because I speak to authors a lot, but it's not when you realize how hard it is for other people. And you can't take it on completely, but you can be open to it and really start thinking about yourself in those conversations. Yeah. Don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what a what a day a normal day looks like. Because I'm not going to go through the twelve because people have to buy the book, right? So yeah. I want to know a little bit about you and what a normal day looks like for you, or is there a normal? I day? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I I often get up mm-hmm. with aiming of heading in in direction A, and end up zigzagging and finally going to bed at night. I don't know. It could be. I, you, I like to go up and sit in the restaurant and talk to the people who come. Might be somebody in trouble. It might might be anything. Might be a politician. Might be. I do a lot. A lot of it involves people on the outside or groups on the outside. So, you know, I work a lot with the Kurdish people, the Assyrians, the Uyghurs, just people who are struggling. And um, Are they struggling with... Are they struggling? Because where you are, you're in Asheville and there's a lot of, it's a diverse community and there are a lot of immigrants and new immigrants as well to this country. And, you know, these people have had to leave their homeland for various reasons. Are they struggling with identity? Are they struggling? All of it. All of that. All of that. I was with some Kurdish people the other day and one of the guys sung a, a song in his own language. And he said in where I was, the country I was in, I wasn't allowed to have my real name and I wasn't allowed to sing in my own language or talk in my own language. And 
Like, that's just like the homeless kids I used to see on the streets of King's Cross because they weren't allowed to be themselves. It's people who are not allowed to be themselves. And I just get really hot under the collar about that. Mm. And um, why can't, why does somebody always want to take our freedom away mm. or exploit our vulnerability? Mm. It's so true. And, you know, I mean, my parents, you know, come from a war-torn country. I mean, Lebanon has had its problems over the years, as you know, and there's a lot of um, Lebanese Australians. Yeah. But when I visited many, I've visited a couple of times, when I visited many years ago, it was really, you know, in the midst of civil war. And what I realised day to day, and you would have seen this, Reverend, is all people want to do is live a normal life. They just get, get on with life, yes. Yeah, they just want yeah. to raise their children, they want to have a meal, they want to, you know, enjoy each other's company. It's as simple as that, right? And there's some bugger wants to impose law on you, martial law on you Mm. or something. Mm. It's Mm. terrible. I I see that a lot and it really ignites things in me, probably because of my father trying to change me all the time. Well, listen, now that we will segue, because you you brought up your father, tell me how you came to being a reverend. How is it? Where did you grow up and how did you become who you are now? Well, oh, gosh, that's just, I was was born in England during the war. My father was away at the war. I think when he came home, he found a competition between me and him for my mum's affection and decided he was going to win. And so I got, in a way, lost on the outside of all of that. So I grew up feeling on the outside. He, My family, we moved to Australia. We were actually going to New Zealand and ended up in Australia. Grew up in St Mary's and then he had a job where he kept moving. So I went to about, oh, I don't know how many different schools. So I grew up in a difficult, for me, it was difficult for me. And I wasn't like my brother or them. I was different. I wanted to sit and read and, you know, they wanted to play football and do all that sort of stuff. So I grew up, if somebody had just said to me, Bill, you've been adopted, I'd have said, why haven't you told me earlier, mm. you know? So, yeah, so, you know, and lots of the schools I didn't fit in. So it's been a struggle to kind of find somewhere to fit in. That's the best way to put it. A bit lost, mm. probably a lot lost, mm. you know, and things I was interested in, they weren't, mm. you know. And w- at what age do you think you finally found your feet? You found who you were? Oh, I'm still looking. <laughs> It's a long, long process. It is. A long, long process. A lot of it's been happening. It's really interesting that a lot of it's happened later in life as well. I had those early times, but particularly working with um, (laughs) just chance things happen, you know, and somebody wanted to, to show a movie and I showed the movie and it was about people in recovery from drug and alcohol and the way they lived I thought was really good, really good, healthy way. So I took that on, started to do that, and that led me to a whole lot of other things and then I ended up in Calais in France working with refugee people who had nothing. Like the thing I've found is people who have got nothing will give you everything, Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. As soon as you get stuff in your life, 
There's stuff you want to hold on to. There's bits of yourself you don't want to give away. And it's only when you give your total self away that other people can receive a gift, if you get what I mean, and grow. It's hard. It's hard. All this is hard. You can, I could have, I could have grown up being miserable and closed in and whatever. And I just thank God I didn't. I remember I had a turning point. Well, one thing, naively growing up, and I don't know if you were the same, I used to look around me and I really liked and admired old people older than me, but I always thought that they knew everything, that they had all their shit sorted out and yeah. they were on the road. You know, I really did. And I'd look at people who were 50 and think, wow, they just, you know, it would be great to be there and just everything is working out for you. And then, of course, when I got to 50, I realised that that wasn't the case, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> no. I find that all the time, you know, where, yeah. where people have had the privileged life and it all falls apart. Mm. And a lot of the what we call privileged life is on the surface anyway. Don't mm. dig too, too deep. So tell me, what's the favourite part of your day? Do you have a favourite? Well, it's it's funny. Um, it took writing the book took a lot of time. Did you enjoy the process? No, no, it was okay. painful. That's yeah. why it's taken <laughs> so long to write it. And I think. I meditate and I meditate three times a day for 20 minutes and people will, you know, each time. And people say, well, that's taking a lot of time out of your day, but I actually get more done because I do that. And meditating is probably my favourite part of the day because through the meditations I'm able to connect with all life and see things a bit deeper. And also detach, not detach, um, see life's process and keep in mind that my story is just another story in the storybook of life, you know. I think, um, yeah, it enables, meditation enables you to ponder things better. And I was really into doing all the time. And now I realise you can do all that, but you need to ponder as well. I think they're great. That That is great advice to leave on. Thank you so much for your time, Reverend Bill. Oh, thank you. Um, I thank have enjoyed you. our conversation very much. It's been an absolute privilege to talk. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of ebooks and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.